You're listening to Capgemini North America's CR Radio. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to this Corporate Social Responsibility Podcast featured on Capgemini North America CR Radio. My name is Yvonne Harris, and I'm the Inclusion Brand Leader for Capgemini North America and a member of Capgemini's Corporate Social Responsibility Team. Our team is excited to leverage podcasts as a means to provide relevant CSR updates and share the good works contributed by our Capgemini colleagues, partners, and clients. For context, Corporate social responsibility for Capgemini spans three pillars, digital inclusion, environmental sustainability, and diversity and inclusion. So the topics that we explore in our podcast will align with one of these areas. I hope you enjoy this podcast episode and obtain new information that inspires you to take an action that will make a positive difference for yourself and for others. Today, I have the pleasure of spending time with Nadia Younes, the Chief Innovation Officer for EDGE. EDGE is the leading global assessment and business certification for gender equality. And in North America, Capgemini is EDGE certified in both the U.S. and Canada. Nadia is a speaker for the fourth annual Corporate Responsibility Summit that will be held on May 17th in Houston. The summit is hosted by another one of our partners, the National Diversity Council and the Council for Corporate Responsibility. And Capgemini is a proud sponsor for this event. Nadia, I look forward to meeting you next month in Houston. In the meantime, let's talk more about EDGE and give our listeners a preview of the information that you will share at the summit. Can you start by introducing yourself to our listeners? Yes, thank you, Yvonne. It's a pleasure to be in the podcast, and I look forward to Houston. Um, I have been a Chief Diversity Officer for most of my professional career, recently joining EDGE as a Chief Innovation Officer. As a Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, I've had um, global responsibility I'm based in large pharmaceuticals, biotech, banking. Um, I, I've taught at universities. So I also led work-life initiatives in, in a previous organization. So I came to EDGE um, to bring my internal experience, and I actually went through EDGE certification as a client. My last role, I had an appointment with the International Monetary Fund as their diversity and inclusion advisor, and they were one of many international financial organizations who are now EDGE certified. So I learned about EDGE as a client and um, am now working with them and thrilled to be doing so. They, I really, um, really enjoy what I do. Well, what great experience um, that you bring to your role at EDGE, and I know they're excited to have you. Um, let's jump into some questions uh, so our listeners can learn more about the value that EDGE certification brings. And let's start at the beginning. What spurred the development of the EDGE Certified Foundation and the certification system? The EDGE Certified Foundation came into being in 2009. This was around the same time that McKinsey was coming out, if you recall, with the, their first studies on when women thrive, showing positive correlations between performance and better gender balance in organizations. The awareness around the importance of gender equality for the health and wealth of organizations and societies was mounting, and it continues to do so. There's a plethora of research out there today um, beyond what was coming out in 2009. EDGE realized that the only way to create sustainable change around workplace gender equality was to look at it in the same way as any other business topic. Therefore, they needed to have a clear system in place to measure um, the current status and progress, hold people accountable across the organization, and look at the results as they related to a set of standards of excellence. 
Edge knew that if we didn't apply the same rigor and discipline in pursuing gender um, equality, that it would have a hard time being linked to critical business goals and wouldn't be sustainable, wouldn't let the progress be sustainable. In the beginning, the challenge was how to measure gender in the workplace in a consistent way across different industries and geographies. That was the ambition from the very beginning, recognizing that every company is unique and has its own strengths and opportunities for improvement when it comes to gender balance. However, we realized that there were two universal underlying principles that held for everybody. The need to attract, develop, retain, and motivate a richer, deeper, and increasingly more diverse talent pool. Not only half of it, right? And the growing need of both men and women to live and work differently in the 21st century is something that we also know to be true. We spent two years understanding how to measure gender in the workplace consistently across geographies and industries, and then we launched the concept of EDGE certification at the World Economic Forum in Davos in January of 2011. Another two years were spent building the certification system. The first EDGE certified companies were announced in October of 2013, and there were six companies from four different industries. Now, um, today in 2018, we have over 200 organizations in 50 different countries. We're on every continent. Don't hold me to Antarctica. <laughs> and in, we're in 23 different industries pursuing the goal of gender equality through EDGE certification systems. So it's quite a community of EDGE certified organizations, and it's growing. And the reach really speaks to the value that um, EDGE is bringing in the business community. Um, so, Nadia, what are some of the key challenges and opportunities presented by EDGE assessment and certification? Well, firstly, I think it's important that we're working with organizations to find their own business case for pursuing gender equality. We already have the studies, McKinsey, Credit Suisse, Catalyst, and many others, as I've mentioned. But if we put that generic case study aside for a second, most organizations want to know what it means for them. And when I was on the inside of organizations as a CPDO, those generic business case studies, they meant something, but they they didn't have the same push or impact or persuasion as really understanding from some internalized reflection supported by data um, about you know why gender equality would matter why would it matter to them given the type of organization they are the type of talent they need to attract motivate and retain and given the type of market and clients they serve this internal reflection also explores other questions such as how will women and men working in our organization benefit from whatever we decide to put in place. And this is a crucial point because it dictates how resources inside of an organization that are also often limited and stretched, um, the efforts are positioned, how what efforts are going to be positioned behind and how the initiative inside an organization from the very beginning is going to be set up for sustainable success. The second step is obtaining data that will back up the business case allowing companies to check their assumptions on where their strengths or areas of improvement lie. And, and every company usually has both, some strengths and areas for improvement. And using this, we establish a baseline in which we can measure progress. The data that we gather provides a really a systemic and structured approach for how organizations can look at their human capital sustainably um, and from a gendered lens. You know, I've worked inside organizations for many years and Lots of times there's just a ton of initiatives and programs that are thrown at diversity and inclusion with no real sense of the impact that they might be having. 
And sometimes there it's misplaced. It's misplaced dollars or time or resources. And when there is resource, um, you know, when everybody's being asked to do more with less, really knowing that you're putting your time, effort, money, resources where there's going to be a measurable impact is important. And that's where Edge, I think, offers a tremendous value. The third point comes with certification. The accountability and transparency that's embedded into the Edge methodology and process opens up a fantastic branding opportunity. And I found when we went through the Edge process inside an organization, it helped us reframe what we were going after around gender equality, where I think there were a lot of myths out there around gender equality is really just about getting kind of butts in seats, for lack of a term. The EDGE process and methodology allowed men to see that gender equality is for men and women and that for organizations to really be effective, they needed to get the most out of the full range of the talent pool. So looking at how they can turn their commitment to gender equality into actually closing a gender equality gap um, and in using the EDGE methodology gave the organizations a more credible claim and into an, this was an essential component of their brand and fundamental values. The organizations that go through EDGE certification really, um, I think they have much more concrete evidence that gender equality is part of their brand. So, Nadia, for someone who's just hearing about EDGE for the first time, describe more Edge proce- EDGE's process for measuring and advancing gender equality, and what metrics are used to measure this? Sure. All, all the companies that are EDGE certified are measured on four fundamental pillars that we say define success in the workplace. Um, around gender equality, and it's not just us. I mean, this, these four pillars are actually referenced in much of the data that's been published about what's working in gender equality or what's needed. So the first pillar is making sure that there is gender representation in the talent pipeline of the organization and all throughout all the levels of the organization. So we take a look through our methodology at where men and women are in the organization, what types of roles or functions, how they are hired, how they're promoted, and how they are retained um, from the very first operational level in an organization all the way up to the non-executive board level and through all the different management levels of responsibility in the organization. The second pillar is looking at pay equity. We compare men and women that have similar skills and competencies and equivalent jobs, and we see whether or not they're being paid the same wages. So is there a statistically insignificant and unexplained pay gap um, across men and women in an organization. And so we have a defined um, way to look at that, and and it's consistent. So companies that actually choose to do the pay equity analysis can consistently look over time at how well and how aligned their pay equity systems are. Third pillar is effectiveness of existing policies and practices. And the key to this third pillar is the word effectiveness. A lot of organizations have really nice policies, um, but if their employees don't use them or don't know about them, um, then it's really difficult to say that they're effective or that they're driving the type of behavioral changes or impact that they want. So the effective policies and practices that an organization puts into place to ensure that there are equitable career flows is the third pillar that we look at. And the last, but not the least, is how inclusive is the culture? And in this, we survey the employee population of the organization on how they feel 
about their career development opportunities. Those are the four pillars that we measure with a mixture of both qualitative and quantitative data. So I think that's also key to the EDGE methodology. Do you notice any trends in terms of where the biggest gaps exist in regards to the pillars? Yeah, one issue in particular that's become front and center is equity. Years ago, there was a lot of nervousness around kind of doing a detailed analysis of equity, especially in the U.S. Um, There was a lot of concern about the potential of unwanted legal consequences of this type of exercise, and it created a serious obstacles for the advancement of the conversation on pay equity in particular. This is less the case because we have seen leaders in the corporate world, such as Mark Benioff of Salesforce, speak publicly about proactively managing pay equity. There's no other way to ensure pay equity than to measure it and then remeasure it over and over again. We started to be much more detailed, much more analytical, and the proactive management of pay equity has gradually become a more genuinely accepted business practice. Lots of organizations will say that they do measure pay equity every year. I think the challenge of that that I found, particularly when I was inside organizations and working across sectors, is that compensation and benefits departments who are usually the ones looking at pay equity, they use a variety of different methods to measure pay equity. Um, With the EDGE methodology, we have a standard um, kind of way to look at statistically and insignificantly unexplained pay gaps. And um, if you're consistent with that year over year and you do the pay equity, you can also kind of look across industries and sectors and see what that is. So, of course, we do see that across industries and geographies, um, there are still imbalances when it comes to representation across different functions, and this can affect pay equity. These structural imbalances, however, they do persist for now, but hopefully the valuing of different kinds of jobs and skills in organizations will make certain positions and functions more attractive to men and others actually more accessible to women. In terms of advancing gender equality, what are some ways companies can improve across the four pillars that you have mentioned? Yeah, it's a systemic and structured approach that involves looking at the policies and practices that are in place and then measuring the impact of these policies by talking to employees about whether they know about them and how they use them. One of the things we see often in our space is that the formal commitments, policies and practices exist, and sometimes they are beautifully sophisticated, but there's a big gap between the formal commitments companies make and the offerings they they offer their employees and the actual informal workplace practices. Consistently checking in, having the triangulation between what the company thinks it does, what employees think the company does, and the measurable impact of this, checking the alignments and the gaps between these three points of view, this is what's essential to ensure progress over time. So Nadia, from your perspective, why is gender equality about sustainability and not just about diversity, inclusion, or corporate social responsibility? You know, I get asked that question a lot, and I think we live in a world that is roughly 50-50 men and women, and we all believe that talent and intelligence is equally spread across the population. Yet if we keep tapping into just 50% of that talent pool, how can we think of ourselves as being an organization that will keep up with the changes. This world today, I think many business leaders are aware of the disruptive business models and the agility that's needed to adapt to new situations. But where does this agility come from? It comes from people working in organizations that are as diverse as the world we live in. 
it's really important for organizations to mirror the diverse reality of the world, and it's essential in assuring the sustainability of their human capital. And crucial, it's a crucial component of their ability to continuously adapt to changing market conditions. Change is the new norm, and effectively tapping into your full talent pool and allowing that human capital to thrive will, I think, be a key to success for many organizations if they want to stay and adapt in a changing world. Nadia, thank you so much for all the information um, you've shared today. Your passion um, is evident um, as you're speaking about EDGE and the value that it brings to organizations. Thank you, Yvonne. To our listeners, if you want to learn more about EDGE and EDGE certification, you can join Capgemini at the fourth annual Corporate Responsibility Summit, which will be held on May 17th in Houston. And again, Nadia will be there with us uh, speaking um, about EDGE at greater length. And also, too, you can visit um, their website at edge-cert.org. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Until our next episode, make a decision to have a positive impact in the space of corporate social responsibility, intend to engage in a project related to environmental sustainability, digital inclusion, and or diversity and inclusion. And if you're a Capgemini colleague, join an employee resource group or become an ally to an ERG. To everyone, have an amazing day. You're listening to Capgemini North America's CR Radio. 